the Rangers finally made a signing. They did it. Kirby Yates is a Texas Ranger. On today's show, we're breaking down what that means for the Rangers bullpen and why Chris Young is saying that the Texas Rangers have unfinished business right after winning the World Series. All that and more on this episode of Locked On Rangers. Let's get into it. You are Locked On Rangers, your daily Texas Rangers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are locked on to the World Series champion Texas Rangers. I'm Bryce Patrick, a cripplingly addicted Texas Rangers fan covering this team for 10 seasons, including all five as the founder and host of this podcast. Thank you all so much for making Locked On Rangers your first listen every single day. If you're not already, you can follow me on Twitter at Bryce Patrick. You can follow the show at Locked On Rangers. Hit subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform and on YouTube, where the best way you can help grow the show is to comment nearly any single thing below. Now, on today's show, we are talking about finally, finally, it only took, what, three days of the winter meetings for the Rangers to make a single signing, but we're here. Kirby Yates is a Texas Ranger, signed to a one-year, $4.5 million deal. He is a one-time All-Star. He is a guy who has gotten Cy Young votes in one season. He is coming off of a pretty solid season with the Braves, and for basically a two-year stretch in 2018 and 2019, he was one of, if not the best relievers in all of baseball in 2019, he was most definitely the best reliever in all of baseball, in my very humble opinion. This is a guy who is a little bit older. Um, He is coming off a a couple of seasons with the, with the uh, Atlanta Braves where he pitched really just this past year. He's coming off Tommy John surgery, which he had his second Tommy John surgery back in March of 2021. He didn't come back until August of 2022. Um, This is a a solid flyer deal, a one-year, $4.5 million deal for a guy who is uh, 36, turning 37 at the end of March. Uh, He is a guy who grew up in Hawaii, and uh, he has some uh, fun nicknames. This is one of my, uh, my, my favorite parts of baseball reference is his nicknames are Curbs, which is obvious and boring, or Chubbs Sr. I have no idea where that comes from, and I'm really hoping that uh, one of the Beats asks him whenever he comes over here. But last year, he had a solid season with the Braves. It's not their closer. was more of a 7th and 8th inning guy, kind of medium or high leverage. He was used in a whole bunch of different situations, um, but he had a really good year with the strikeouts. The problem was the walks. He has walked a lot of guys last year, um, and before, he was not a guy who walked a whole lot of people. He had pretty good command, especially in those years where he was at his peak. He had 1.9 walks per nine and 15 strikeouts per nine in his one all-star season back in 2019 when he saved 41 games. He has been a closer. Uh, That was a 2019 Padres team that was uh, not that good. I believe they had around 70 wins, and he closed out 41 games. So uh, you do the math. He was closing out a whole lot of those games. But uh, this year, he had 5.5 walks per nine and 11.9 Ks per nine. That is um, a tightrope balance, not a guy who you really want in the eighth inning of these super high leverage situations, but I I think he would be fine. He's not a guy who throws very hard. His profile is uh, he throws 94 miles an hour, which might not sound like a guy who you can use in high leverage situations, but his fastball is not his best pitch. It it pairs very well with his best best pitch, pitch which is a splitter. 
Not a pitch that a whole lot of guys throw, but he throws it very, very effectively when he was at his peak. He had very good command, got a lot of strike three looking, uh, strike threes looking. Um, last year, he had 80 strikeouts in 61 innings. Um, so, I mean, really solid numbers. Not a whole lot of hits against him. The expected batting average was in the top 10% of baseball. Um, he got a, a good amount of swings and misses. The chase rate wasn't quite as good last year, and the barrel rate, he was hit a little bit harder, a little bit less um, good with the ground balls. Um, he's also got a slider, which he threw literally 1% of the time last year. So he's uh, 54% fastball, 45% what they call a changeup, which is really um, just his splitter. It is his off-speed pitch. He doesn't have an actual true changeup, but he is just murderous on lefties as well. As a right-handed pitcher, that is a, a valuable thing, a guy who can match up against either-handed uh, type of batter. He was used in the eighth inning um, in 27 games last year for the Braves, in the seventh inning 15 times, and the ninth inning 13 times, and the, eight, the sixth inning eight times. So not a whole lot of times outside of the seventh and eighth inning, mostly uh, those kind of innings. And right now the a side of the Rangers bullpen looks like this the, the your top three guys if you're winning a game and your starting pitcher goes six innings which you hope um, would happen a decent chunk and it's close um, you have your your top three guys of Kirby Yates Josh Spores and Jose Leclerc that's solid that's solid those are guys who well uh two of them well I guess three of them Kirby Yates did pitch in, in one playoff game didn't do all that well uh, against the Phillies but wasn't horrible um but josh Bores and Holly clerk have uh, a a decent track record in the playoffs a pretty pretty solid track record in the playoffs and then the underside the b side uh if the rangers are, are losing in a game or need some uh, higher leverage innings or, or needing somebody for the sixth inning as well um the other guys in their bullpen i think at this point would probably be brock burke Jonathan Hernandez, Antoine Kelly, and Cody Bradford. Uh, there's some other options there. Um, if the Rangers want to go with Grant Anderson or Mark Church um, or Chase Lee, Gary Rodriguez, or maybe even Zach Kent, it's fine. It's not great. You'd like to have basically one more top-end option because as much as I love Josh Spores, there was still some some real concerns about him during the regular season. Uh, LeClerc, I feel really solid about, feel really confident about as him with him being the Rangers closer. Uh, Yates, I feel pretty solid and confident. This will be the second full year after Tommy John surgery. Usually the second year is when the command starts to come back. And so if, if the Rangers get the, one of the better versions of him and the command is better, and he's not walking everybody. That is a trustworthy. He might even be, he might even surpass Leclerc as the Rangers closer or surpass spores as Rangers eighth inning guy. Um, definitely some, some good upside there. And because he, never relied on throwing all that hard. You don't have to worry about him kind of falling off the strikeouts or have still been there. It'll be his age 37 season. Um, so I think this is a solid deal, especially at four and a half million dollars. Um, but I'd still like the Ranger to get one more reliever, probably a lefty. I mean, this would all be fixed if just Brock Burke would go back to his 2022 version of himself, as opposed to whatever was happening last year. I have no idea what's happening last year, but again, that's kind of the whole deal with relievers is they're finicky. So, not spending a whole bunch of money on Josh Hader and getting a guy like this who's got the upside at $4.5 million, I think that's great. What they did with Will Smith last year is like, oh, he's a guy who, you know, at times he's not great, but he's got some really nasty breaking balls, and when he's on, he can be your closer and can be helpful, and he, he was for a good chunk of the season. Now, he wasn't in the playoffs in the back half, but he got the Rangers out to the, help them get out to that lead when the rest of the bullpen was even more of a mess than it was uh, down the stretch. So, again, 
more bites of the apple with relievers, spending a bunch of money on one closer is not uh, my ideal solution. Uh, and so this is a, a good first move for the Rangers in this winter. I am assuming this is not the last free agent signing they make. Uh, I'm really hoping that's not the case because that would be uh, very frustrating and annoying. Um, but hey, I don't think the Rangers are done because like Chris Young said, they have unfinished business. In a minute, we'll get to why he said that and why I think it's kind of silly and also a really good sign of the Rangers' mindset after winning the World Series. Right for this word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life. Can we just talk for a minute about preparing for tough situations? Whether you're on extended travel, bracing for a major weather event, or limited by yet another supply shortage, you are covered, my friend. Thanks to our partners at Jace Medical, life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered in a one-year supply. Jace Medical has the Jace case. The Jace case is a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs, respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, among others. This stuff could happen to any of us. So visit jacemedical.com and complete your physician encounter. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and your medications will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It has never been more important to be prepared than today. Go to jacemedical.com and use offer code LOCKEDON to get $20 off your order. Shout out to the Everydayers for making Lockdown Rangers your first listen every single day. On tomorrow's show, I'll be putting a nice little bow on the winter meetings. Maybe we'll even have some big news that will maybe involve the Rangers. I don't know. It's been a boring winter meetings, but we are making the best of it with all the content we can squeeze out. Like this article that I read from Kennedy Landry on MLB.com. Uh, it kind of caught my eye when I was on the Rangers homepage, uh, just as I am want to do every once in a while just to see what kind of new uh Rangers World Series clips they're they're putting out there just to just remind myself the Texas Rangers are indeed the reigning world champs. Um, but that is not the casual mindset of Mr. Christopher Young. This is not uh, his mindset of just being happy with one and, you know, that was a great World Series and uh, I'm just going to sit here and enjoy it forever. Now, Chris Young is ready for more. He is hungry for more and he is not done. And apparently... That is the mentality of the Rangers, because this uh, this article headlined by uh, by Kennedy Landry says even as champs, Rangers have, quote, unfinished business for 2024. And this is the quote from Chris Young that made me kind of squint and tilt my head a little bit and say, are you you sure about that, Chris? He said, quote, I think we have dot dot dot. We have unfinished business. We tied for the division and lost the tiebreaker. Chris Young said at Monday at the winter meetings, and thereby we were a we were the wildcard team. I think it meant a lot to everybody to win the division. We're not taking anything for granted. We knew how hard it was this year, but also know how talented this team is. They're capable of doing special things, and this group is very motivated. End quote. Now, unfinished business implies that you left something on the table, and Yes, the Rangers, uh, in case you missed this of the 18,000 times that John Smoltz delighted to remind you that the Texas Rangers lost the division title on the final day of the season with that one nothing loss to the stinking Seattle Mariners. They lost the division to the stinking Houston Astros, who were uh, very 
very high on their horse and uh, probably celebrated a little bit too early about winning the division and then lost in the ALCS to the Texas Rangers. So I thought that was that. And then also the Rangers won the World Series. So I don't think that, I didn't think that, you know, losing the division on the last day, I I thought all that was done. I thought all of the, the heartbreak was done. I thought the pain of 2011 was washed away. I thought the pain of 2015 and 2016 was washed away as well. The pain of Game 163 in 2013, the one-game wild card in 2012, even the World Series loss in 2010, not to mention everything that happened before that with the many, many bad seasons and the playoff losses to the Yankees in the 90s. I, I thought we weren't worrying about that anymore. But Chris Young is, is constructed a little differently than you and I. Mainly, he's 6'10 and was a professional baseball player, but also the mentality that he has about being a GM and about the Rangers. Saying there's unfinished business, letting that stick in your craw at all, that kind of shows how he is, you know, thinking about things differently, how he is, you know, still, you know, motivated, still, you know, not settling for anything. I think there's literally no unfinished business from 2023. It would have been nice for the Rangers to win the division, but you can't tell me looking back that it, it didn't all work out for the best for the Rangers. Maybe if they won the division, they wouldn't have been as hungry in the playoffs. Maybe if they didn't have to make that flight across the country from Seattle to Tampa Bay to go play in that wild card game two days later, maybe they wouldn't have gone undefeated on the road like they did. Or maybe they would have. I, I don't know. It's, it's impossible to say. But I am not thinking there is any part of the business that is unfinished from 2023. But I love that Chris Young thinks that there is. I love that that kind of speaks to the mentality of this team of like, we're, we're not satisfied with just one. It reminds me of a quote from Evan Carter, literally right after the Rangers won the World Series. The Rangers social media was interviewing him, talking about uh, winning the World Series, just like, what's your message to the fans? And and he says, you know, job's not done. Job's not done, y'all. We're going to go out there and, and try and do it again. And um, I, I couldn't help but laugh when Evan Carter said that. Sweet summer child who had been in the big leagues all of five minutes saying, nope, job's not done. We just won the World Series, the first one in franchise history. Like, it's not done. It, it, it was done. It was The job was completed. Granted, there are other jobs now. There are new jobs winning in 2024 and maybe in 2025 going for a three-peat and 2026 going for four in a row, which I don't think has ever been done. Um, but we're still way ahead of ourselves. That one was absolutely massive, life-changing for so many people, franchise-altering. like So many demons exercised, and it was so incredibly important that they get that one, that they get one in general. But... I just couldn't help but laugh thinking about how this team is not just satisfied when the rest of us have been sitting here, when everyone else is is whining about the lack of drama, the lack of, of content, even as a content creator, it kind of, it, it rolls off my back of the lack of, you know, transactions in what is supposed to be the biggest transaction week of the year uh, at the winter meetings. But here I am just watching highlights of the World Series and of Marcus Simeon hitting that game-sealing home run of Josh Spores spiking his glove, of Adoles Garcia's walk-off homer, of Corey Seager's game-tying homer, of just the beatdown on the ALCS Game 7. Um, I'm watching a lot of that, and I'm still, I'm pretty satisfied. Jo- job's done. Job's done in my mind. I'm I'm pretty satisfied with, with that. But again, the reason why that team was so successful was because 
they have this kind of mentality that is different than you and I. And I'm not saying that we should adapt that mentality at all. I, I think that's un- unhealthy for fans. I think it's going to lead to a lot of frustration. I mean, as someone who has cheered for a team that has won a whole lot uh, of being not satisfied um, with anything less than a championship as an Alabama f- college football fan, uh, it can be unhealthy. I mean, the most destructive group chat I'm in is my my Bama boys group chat. Before every game, we talk about, oh, oh we're going to lose. We're going to lose this game. Everything's going to lose. And even when we won national championships as Alabama, they aren't as satisfying. Nothing, nothing was nearly as satisfying as Texas Rangers winning it all for the first time ever. It is just a different feeling. And I hope that we as fans don't ever adopt that mentality, the same as Chris Young, that we're pissed off with, with anything less than a championship. Because now that the Rangers have won it all, for me, it's kind of like my Dallas Maverick fan. Once Dirk got his ring, everything else after that is gravy. Everything else is just icing on the cake. Everything else the Rangers do from this point on is just uh, sprinkles on top of the most delicious cake I've ever eaten in my entire life. They're not necessary. They're they're nice added flavor. But I already got exactly what I wanted. Like, or I guess more dessert after the best meal of my life is probably be a more accurate way to phrase that. So just because the Rangers have this mentality doesn't mean that we have to and I, I worry about in you know two years or whatever if the rangers haven't won back-to-back championships or or it's been two whole years since the rangers have won it all that we as fans don't necessarily have to have that same mentality of jobs not done anything less than a championship is is not good it's good for the players and the coaches and everybody directly involved with the team to have that mentality but as fans it is significantly monumentally less enjoyable to have that kind of mentality now let's look a little bit at the draft news that came out last night the draft lottery the second draft lottery in MLB history happened the rangers were not a part of it because they will be picking 30th because the texas rangers won the world series just in case you had forgotten now the only other news that is really significant out of that is the Cleveland Guardians will be picking first for the first time in their history. The Reds also moved up in the draft despite to the second pick despite having a winning record. The A's fell as far as they could despite being one of the worst baseball teams I have ever seen. Same with the Royals, also dropped all the way to six, which is just hilarious to me. And the A's, uh, because they they technically won one of the top five picks. They, they moved all the way to fourth. Um, they will not be able to be involved in next year's draft lottery, no matter how terrible they are, which will be notoriously terrible. Mariners are picking 15th. The uh, Astros are picking 28th. And the Rangers are picking 30th, with picks 31 and 32 going to the D-backs and Orioles because they had the rookies of the year. Hopefully next year, the Rangers will have the 30th pick and the 31st pick because Evan Carter or um, White Langford will be winning Rookie of the Year. Um, that is the hope of the Rangers picking 30th and 31st. But again, it would be icing on top of a cake that has already been baked. Now, the Rule 5 draft is happening tonight. The Rangers likely won't pick anybody. There are a few guys who weren't protected on the Rangers 40-man roster who I think will be uh, on the radar for certain teams to have, the the top of which is a right-handed reliever, Anthony Hoopy Tuyo Natoa. I believe that is how it's pronounced, a former uh, 30th round pick in 2019 by the Rangers. He is a right-hand reliever listed at 6 foot, 190 pounds. Um, He is out of Hawaii as well. So the Rangers have 
signed a Hawaiian. They may be losing another Hawaiian in the draft um, in terms of right-handed relievers. He really put on a spectacular performance at the Arizona Fall League where he really turned some heads. He hasn't made it all the way up up to double a um but in the arizona fall league he pitched in nine games nine and two-thirds innings did not allow a single run and struck out 10 pretty solid performance turned some heads he's 22 years old the rangers just drafted him in 2019 um and it kind of stinks that he had one of his years of development um done because of covid and then he was drafted in 2019 so normally those pitchers don't pitch in 2019. So basically two years off the table and the Rangers already had to make a decision on this guy who hadn't even been to double A yet. And they decided not to protect him on the 40 man roster. He throws in the upper nineties and he could probably sit in somebody's bullpen uh, for a full season for them to, um, you know, stash him as a rule five pick. Um, he's definitely on people's radars for a guy who could even be the top pick in this MLB, uh, rule five draft. But again, I don't think the Rangers will take anybody other guys who are potential uh potential losses dane acker is an interesting guy but again injuries have really hampered him the upside is is there but i don't see someone you know being able to keep him on their active roster for an entire season unless he has an injury and they can just stash him that way um and winston santos i don't know if somebody's going to take a chance on him um he's got an interesting fastball um but again the Rangers don't really have to worry that much about the Rule 5 because they have so many good players on their 40-man that they couldn't protect everybody. So I don't anticipate they're going to go out and try and get somebody in that Rule 5 draft. Now, coming up, we're going to look at the bigger picture of these winter meetings, why the AL West probably doesn't have much of a shakeup in them, and, and the big moves are going elsewhere outside of this Rangers division. Talk about all that more in just a second. But first, let's hear from our sponsors. Now, the winter meetings have been an absolute snooze fest so far this year. I mean, Kirby Yates, I mean, you saw Max Seidman at the top of the show that there was actually even something to talk about. You know, I, I debated about making this show an entirely Kirby Yates show, but it's just, it, it's not that serious. I mean, Yates is, is solid, um, but again, it has just been a, such an entirely slow winter meetings, and it's, it's pretty much all the fault of, well three people it's the fault of um well i guess more than three people but th it centers around three players everyone's waiting for shohei otani to sign nobody knows anything outside of the little that david dave roberts was was talking about which apparently he seemed to get in trouble about which if if dave roberts comments of just saying that he met with shohei and he thinks it went well is enough for him to not go there that would be honestly like truly hilarious and i would love it very much um because i don't want him to go to the dodgers because i would like the rangers to become a dynasty and and the dodgers signing the best player maybe in the history of baseball um, as a team that was already very good um would be boring and uh not fun for everybody else um but also they're waiting on the ones people are waiting on the Juan Soto trade and the Yoshinobu Yamamoto signing as well. Those are the top three moves that are holding up everything else. And there's a reason for that. It's because whoever doesn't get those moves is going to overpay somebody else as a result. That's how this always goes. I mean, the last time that the Rangers didn't get Shohei Otani, they spent a whole spent a whole bunch of international bonus pool money on Julio Paulo Martinez. Now, granted, it, it's not going to be it's going to be a little bit bigger of a um, splurge than whatever the three million dollars in international bonus pool money uh, that the Rangers had to spend that year. Maybe it was five. I don't remember. Um, doesn't really matter. But that's why everything is holding up. 
And the thing that's confusing to me is why there are no, not, there are not more rumors about uh, guys in the, you know, next tier of the market of, you know, Jordan Montgomery getting more, um, more rumors of, oh, this team's in on Jordan Montgomery or this team's in on Jordan Montgomery. I mean, it's basically been uh, just kind of the Rangers and, and Yankees. And there's a little bit of, of talk about the Cardinals or maybe the Mets having interest. But again, it's all going to be dominoes. I mean, he's going to make a lot more money because some team missed out on signing Yamamoto or trading for Juan Soto or acquiring the Shohei Otani and someone's going to pay him a whole lot more money. So that's why everyone is waiting around. And, you know, it's just kind of frustrating that uh, nobody is, is signing. This, this is supposed to be the big content week. This is uh, for me personally, this is the last uh, week of five shows a week. Uh, after this, we will be going to off season mode. It's still three shows a week, maybe sometimes four, depending on what news is breaking. But I've been kind of, uh, you know, unimpressed about what's happening. I mean, but the good news for the Rangers is, they're reigning World Series champs, and they return basically their entire lineup outside of Mitch Garver. And again, they could fill that with one of the top prospects in all of baseball or another prospect who's very good or other guys who are young and talented. And so a DH hole is is pretty easy to fill relatively. And the rest of the lineup is, is still locked up for the long term. And if they go into the rotation, go into opening day with the rotation they have right now, that's a fine, solid, serviceable rotation. Obviously, you'd like to add one more starter. And the bullpen, they just added an arm. And it's fine. But they're still the reigning champs. And there are a lot of people who are trying to keep up with the Rangers, the reigning champs, including the AL West. But it looks like the AL West is, is not making that many moves. I mean, I've, I've talked about how the Mariners just shed $25 million in payroll and, and traded away one of their young, promising bats. I mean, it seems like it looked like the, the Mariners were going to spend more this year on their payroll than they had in years past. Um, but that's looking like it might not be the case. I mean, Root Sports is having some issues. Their regional sports network, which is majority owned by the Mariners, 71%. 29% of it is owned by Warner Warner Brothers. Um, also, Juan Soto is, is looking like he's going to be a Yankee, not a Mariner, which in Mariners trade made so much more sense. But um, again, $30 million is, is a lot for them. He's only on a contract for one more year, and they need more than just Juan Soto to fix their offense. They need um, a lot more bats, and it's looking like whatever rumors were people were you know mocking uh, mock trading uh, Juan Soto to the Astros. That's not happening. But the Astros did shell out the first multi-year deal for a position player. They signed Victor Caratini two years, twelve million dollars. Um, so looks like Sayonara to Martin Maldonado, my my favorite Astros catcher. Uh, maybe Victor Caratini will will learn from Martin Maldonado lessons and and not provoke players that are significantly better than him into going off against his team and making them call him daddy like Adoles Garcia and Marcus Simeon did but hey if he wants to follow in his footsteps um, I am not going to uh, by any means uh, you know poo-poo that I would actually very much encourage it but it is looking like Yonder Diaz is going to be the everyday catcher there's a bummer about uh losing Dusty Baker because it seems like he was uh, pushing for Martin Maldonado to start more over Yonder Diaz who I think is actually very good um and Chaz McCormick not making him an everyday player which uh sadly looks like he might actually be pretty good um it looks like the Astros are going to actually be making some smart moves on who's starting in their lineup but hey they might lose Jose Altuve and Alex Bregman next season so um 
yeah, it, it might not end up mattering. And, you know, the Mariners keep on pushing backwards. It looks like the only team that's tied to any of these top three guys, because I don't see there's any way that the Mariners sign Yamamoto or why they would, because they need like 17 more bats. Um, the only move of anybody in the AOS that's tied to any of the big three is is possibly Shohei Otani returning to the Angels, which I think would absolutely objectively be the funniest possible outcome. All of this hand-wringing and, and whatnot of, oh my God, where is Shohei going to go? Oh, he's going to go to the Dodgers, make them a super team. Oh my God, he might go to the Blue Jays and make them unstoppable. Oh my God, he might go to the Cubs and they might actually be a new dynasty. And, and he's just, oh, nope, I want to go back to the Angels. And uh, there's going to be nothing new there. And the Angels are going to be mid. And we're going to make the same Tungsten Armo Doyle jokes that we've been making for the last five years of, of Shohei's career. Uh, and it's going to be hilarious. Um, and nothing's really going to change. I, I think, in my opinion, that would be the funniest possible outcome. But again, since Shohei is the best hitter on this market and you know Juan Soto is the best hitter on the trade market, once those guys go, then that'll set the market. Because I think Mitch Garver might honestly have a case to be the second best hitter on this market, which is more of a statement on the market than how much I believe in Mitch Garver. As much as I love him, and I think he's very good. Um, that's more of a statement on, yeah, the the rough state of the free agent hitter class this year. Last year was a lot better, and the year before it, well, um, Marcus Simeon and Corey Seager were, were pretty darn good on that market. But the only other move of, of significance is that the Boston Red Sox and, uh, and Yankees made a trade for Alex Verdugo headed to the Yankees. Um, it feels like that's that those two organizations are way too chummy. It, it, it supports my theory that the new rivalry, the new best rivalry in Major League Baseball is the Rangers and the Astros, though if the Rangers end up pushing the Astros back into the dirt and making them have another you know five-year rebuild and that rivalry dies down, I would be okay with that. Um, but those teams just seem too chummy. I mean, the Rangers and Astros aren't making any trades. That's not happening. They, there's no way in heck the Rangers would make any trade with the Astros unless it was just fleecing them, um, which would be a, a fun turn of events. But anyway, that is going to do it for today's show. There's unfortunately, I wish I could drum up more news for you, but alas, I am not Ken Rosenthal. I am not Jeff Passan. I cannot break news. If I could, I would on this show. But hey, maybe next time we talk, maybe the Rangers will have traded for Juan Soto or signed Jordan Montgomery or who knows what's going to happen because it seems like absolutely nobody does. That's going to do it for today's show. I have the more unfinished business unlike Chris Young and the Rangers. And until next time, don't forget to enjoy World Series champion Texas Rangers baseball.